If you got your Bibles, I'm going to preach something that I've never preached before. Uh, again, God gave me a specific word yesterday morning, and we're going to do our best to obey what he laid on our heart. I don't know. I'm sure I have preached out of the book of Ruth, but I don't remember. I looked in one of my, some of my notes and some of my, another Bible and stuff. I, I believe I looked in there. I, I don't have any markings, so I, I can't say I haven't ever preached from Ruth. I know I've talked about her, but this is where the Holy Ghost drew me to yesterday morning. Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the presence of the Lord? And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And when Naomi saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. See, Naomi was trying to convince her to stay. She said, I don't have any more sons, and even if I could, you wouldn't wait that long. But Ruth said, I want to go where you're going. How many wants to go where the presence of God is moving? Amen. I want to preach by the help of the Holy Ghost today, the Ruth factor. The Ruth factor. Put down your Bibles, lift up your hands right now and ask God to talk to us. Ask him to anoint me. Come on, let's pray right now. Let's pray. Let's, let's be serious right now. God, we thank you, Lord. We love you. We magnify your name, Jesus. I pray for your anointing. I pray for your help. Pray for your understanding, Lord God. I want you to speak through me. Talk to your people today, Lord. We give you all the praise and honor. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this opportunity. Come on. Hallelujah. Let your word fall on good ground right now, Jesus. From the very beginning, Lord, let your word, Lord, let it find lodging place in our hearts. We give you all the praise and glory. We love you. Amen. Give him one more good hand clap of praise before you're seated. Hallelujah. Come on. Are you going to help me today? Are you going to preach with me? Amen, amen, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Ruth said, please, Naomi, don't, don't tell me to leave you. Don't, don't try to convince me, Naomi, that I, I, I'd be better off here. Don't try to persuade me, Naomi, that this is this is what God has for me. This is all my life consists of. It doesn't say how long. It doesn't say how the months or the years that Naomi and Elimelech and her sons had lived in Moab. It doesn't tell us the length of time. It just says that her husband and her boys died. All within the first few verses of Ruth. Doesn't give us much backdrop. Doesn't give us much insight on, on how long and how attached they may have been to Moab. It doesn't, it, 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 because it's not very uh, ex explained or, or obviously it's at the very beginning, it, I, I kind of believe, uh, Brother Dykes, it was a short season. I kind of believe that it was a, a short season. Neither one of her daughter-in-laws uh, conceived, nothing of any roots show to be established there. So it's my opinion that the stay in Moab was, was pretty brief. A famine causes Elimelech to take his family to Moab. Notice that Boaz, later on in the, in the story, and Elimelech's other kinsmen, they stay in Judah. Judah was always calling them home. Judah Amen, was always the place where they needed to be at. Judah is the fourth son of Leah by Jacob. The name originated in Leah's words of praise to the Lord on the account of his birth. Now will I praise Jehovah, she said, and called his name Judah. Judah represents praise. Judah represents a place where uh, a woman that was trying to do her best to 
persuade Jacob and, and, and uh, get the attention of Jacob finally got to the place in her life where the only thing that mattered was giving God the praise. Amen. I'm here to tell you that if we can focus on uh, the good things that God has done in our life and quit trying to focus on things that, that maybe are insignificant and don't matter, amen, it, it, it would change our perception of, uh, of what home means. And Judah was a special place. Judah was a place that, 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 that praise was uh, uh, thriving in. But a famine, a famine had stricken the land. I'm here to tell somebody this morning, don't allow a famine to remove you from your praise. Amen. You may be going through weak moments. You may be going through dry seasons, but don't let a famine remove you from your praise. Amen. If you can, in the middle of your drought, in the middle of your famine, still have hands lifted and still have a voice raised and still have a thankfulness on your lips, I promise you, uh, amen, God is pleased with people, amen, that go through things and, and still have a shout and still have a praise and still have a reason to be thankful. Moab, the land they decided to go to, was a desirable land. Moab was the eldest son of Lot of incestuous birth. It was not, uh, was not a very, a very uh, good situation, to say the least. The land of Moab, the country of Moab, was on the east side of Jordan, in the Dead Sea, south of Arnon. In a wider sense, it included the whole region that had been occupied by the Amorites. In the plains of Moab, opposite of Jericho, the children of Israel had their last encampment before they entered into the land of Canaan. It was at that time in the possession of the Amorites that Moses went up from the plains of Moab and to the Mount of Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, and died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Surely, if there was nothing else to interest us in the land of Moab, the fact that it was from the top of Pisgah that its most noblest height that this mightiest of prophets looked out with an eye undimmed upon the promised land. It was there on Nebo, its loftiest mountain, that he died in solitary death. That it was here in the valley over against Beth Peor he found his final resting place. Moab, though, will never be Judah. Moab will never be the place that God promised you. Moses sit there on that mountaintop and see and can see the land of promise. I'm here to tell somebody this morning, God brought you here, amen, because something inside of you is drawing you back to Judah. Something inside of you, God has placed a, a longing to go home. I'm preaching to somebody right now in the Holy Ghost ghost that God wants you to return to Judah, the land of promise. We are introduced to Ruth in this story. She lived on her, her, he lived her life on the outside of the promised land. Her ancestors chose this place. It was Lot that was responsible for leaving the safety and blessing of Abraham. It's his choices that birthed this place. Moab took everything from Naomi. Everything she brought with her to Moab, she lost, she buried. Everything that she brought with her died. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, decisions matter. But I'm preaching to somebody this morning and telling to Naomi that it had to happen. The famine was part of the plan. The losses were part of the plan. You may not understand why, but let me help somebody right now. God sometimes uses inconveniences, hurts, and disappointments to, to get you to where he introduces you to the Ruth in your life. I'm not just talking about placing you with people. Sometimes your Ruth is a frame of mind. Sometimes your Ruth is a position, but trust that God works in the dark places of your life. Moab had to happen. Ruth, the uh, Naomi, the famine had to happen. I don't know exactly what Ruth saw in Naomi, but something convinced Ruth that I've got to go back with her to Judah. Judah is a place that I want to live in. I'm here to tell somebody right now, God has ordered every one of your steps, and you may not understand why it had to come to this place. You may not understand why your life 
life had to detour like it did, Naomi. But I'm telling you, it had to happen to get you to a place where you would meet Ruth, to get you to a place where you would bring about the greatest change in your life. And so Ruth said, please, I know I've been raised here all my life, but don't tell me to stay here. Don't try to convince me, Naomi, to stay here. Please let me go with you. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his, his people again and was giving them bread. I want to live where God is moving. We're going to get in another gear here in a little bit, but I want to take my time right now. I said, I want to live where God is moving. Naomi's in the land of Moab, and she hears. Pastor Dyke said, God is visiting Judah again. And everything that she lost here, in Moab, everything that she buried here, everything that she let go of here is now getting her to see home again. Getting her to hear of home again. I'm telling us today that I have felt for the past four months that God is wanting to revive deep moments in our life. Amen. I'm preaching to somebody right now. God is wanting to revive in your life some deep moments, things that you, things that you have only uh, dreamed about. Amen. Things that you have, have have thought about before that 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 it just it just seems like it's never going to happen. I I feel a word for this church this morning that there are deep moments uh, that God is wanting to rekindle. Amen. Somewhere in Moab, somehow the word came to her. I'm so thankful that when my darkest times. Uh, when I lost everything, when I didn't have anything to hold on to that connects me to Judah any longer, I'm so thankful that a word would show up and say, hey, I just want you to know God's moving in Judah. I want you to know that back home his presence is moving. I want you to know that there's something stirring back home. I want to be reminded in my dark places, in my rough times, of the moments that God began to move. And that's what I'm talking to somebody right now. God's been reminding you of those deep moments. Moments. I want to live where God is moving. Entreat me not to leave thee. Don't make me return. I understand, Naomi, you lost everything. And I understand this is where I grew up at. But there's something about Judah calling me home. Today, in order to experience what God has in store for you, you're going to have to leave everything you've known behind. There are some things about Ruth that you and I must adopt. First off, leave everything. I'm not holding anything back. I've made up my mind. It's all or nothing. It's at all cost. Whatever it takes this morning, I'm willing to do it. I'm tired of Moab. I'm tired of the stigma that my past has labeled me. There's a better thing waiting for me in Judah. God's visiting Judah. God's visiting this house this morning because he wants to remind you that there's something better in 2022. There's something better for you, amen, than the mistakes or the problems uh, that you left just a couple of nights ago. God wants to help somebody understand. He's got something great for you. Forsake everything, Ruth said. I'll leave it all behind to follow you, to go to a place I've never been, to go to a place that only you know what it's like. It's in those dark places, it's in those moments where you lose everything that you need to find yourself somebody that's been down dark roads. 
I'm thankful for people that come up beside me in my journey and say, look, this is just, this is not the end. Judah's calling you home. I'm talking to somebody right now. God has sent me to tell you that the journey that you've been on is all part of the plan. Amen. You're going to be connected to people that's going to help you along the way. You're not by yourself, Ruth. You're going to step into something that you've never been in before. Amen. But that spirit that's drawing you is leading you to a promised land, leaving you to something that you never thought possible. If you'll trust God in the process, if you'll trust God, amen, in the dark times of your life, God is putting people in your life, Ruth. God is putting people in your life, Naomi. God is putting things in your path that's going to get you to Judah, get you to the place that he always wanted you to be. I'm here to tell us we need to be sensitive now more than ever because it's in our moments that we're our weakest and it's in our moments that it's the darkest that God sends the right people, the right connections, the right time to guide us on the way. It's not by accident you're here. That's already been said. We've already confirmed that. It's not just by happenstance, but God put it in your heart this morning. Why? Because he knows you've been in some dark times. He knows you've been through some rough valleys. He knows the road has not been smooth. He knows the times that you've struggled. And he sent this preacher this morning to tell you everything that you went through is for divine purpose and providence. He's taking you to a place called Judah. He's taking you to a place that you know your heart is drawing you to. You know there's an emptiness inside of you, and he's trying to get you home. Lift up your hands and help me pray right now. Come on, pray with me right now. The Holy Ghost is wanting to soften every heart that's been hurt. The Word of God is wanting to soften every person that's been damaged. Forsake everything this morning. Say, God, I'm falling after you. Second principle Ruth displays is found in the second chapter. In verse 2, Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, they're now back in Judah. She don't know her way around. And she's trying to provide for herself and her mother-in-law. She said, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And Naomi said, go, my daughter. Go work in a field that's not your own. I may not have anything right now, but that's not stopping me from gleaning. I'm preaching to somebody right now that what you do when you have nothing left is seen by the one who owns the field. I said what you do when you have nothing left is seen by the one who owns the field. Amen. God placed you in this in this season of your life. God placed you in this moment of your life. And he knows that Moab left you barren. Moab left, left you empty. Moab took everything you had. And what are you going to do at this point in your life? Amen. He sees your efforts. He sees you're trying to do the right thing. He sees you're trying to do the best you can. And I'm here to tell you, God sent me to give a word of encouragement to somebody right now. God's seen everything you've done in secret. The prayers that you prayed. The, the, the decisions that you made. The sacrifices you made. And you may not own the field right now, but I'm telling you, you work in it. You may not have everything you thought you would have right now, but you keep working. You keep applying, applying yourself. You keep saying, I'll do whatever I can because there is an eye that's watching you. There's a person that's looking down in your life saying, I know, I know where you've been. I know you've lost everything. I know you have nothing to show for your life up to this point, but I see your dedication. I see your commitment to glean in fields that aren't your own. Favor comes to those who aren't satisfied just remnants of somebody else's harvest. You've watched somebody else be blessed and wondered when it's my turn. I'm here to tell you your attitude when others were blessed is what God was attracted to most. Instead of getting bitter, you said, no, there's a reason. 
instead of getting despondent, getting dejected, and losing out and saying, I'm not going back to the house of God, you push that thought aside and said, no, I want to go back to Judah. I got to go back to the house of God. David said, well, my foot, it almost slipped. I almost backslid. I almost left God. I almost forsook everything that I ever knew because I saw wicked people prospering. But something inside of David said, I've got to get back to the house of God. When I get back to the house of God, I'll understand everything better by and by. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You have seen people blessed. You have seen people prospered. You have seen people go forward, and you wonder when it's my turn. I'm here to tell you right now because you kept coming because you kept gleaning in fields that weren't your own because you made up in your mind I'm going to do the right thing every time I get a chance to I'm telling you God is fixing a gives you favor that nobody can take away from you he's been attracted to your attitude when others have been blessed Matthew chapter 15, in verse 22, a woman seen other miracles. I'm trying to encourage somebody today. The best part of your story is just about to be written. I said the best part of your story is just about to be written. Matthew tells us this woman of Canaan in verse 22 came out of the same coast. If I say the same coast, she saw other miracles. She saw other things. She cried unto Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Everybody say response. He answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Watch your response when you have no word. I said it came to me a few nights ago in Springdale. For the dikes, I've been in services where I needed a word. And I didn't get a word. I said, I've been in places where I needed God to talk to me. And he didn't say a word. I've been in moments where I said, God, I need your help. And I didn't hear anything. Am I preaching to you? Anybody ever had those prayers and you thought, God, just, where you at, God? I don't understand what's going on. I've got a devil in my daughter and I need help. God doesn't say a word. What's your response? And he answered her not a word. And his disciples came up and said, get her out of here. Tell her to go away. She's bothering us. It's a whole other message, but oh God, help us. Help us, Sister Dykes, to be sensitive. And when people come into this place and they need help, they need a word. I don't want to be sens- I don't want to be unsensitive, Sister Brooke, and t- tell them to get away, get away from me. No, no, I don't have time for you. No, help me, help me, help me, help me. That when people come in, that I'm sensitive enough to the Holy Ghost that you've been praying all night and you need a word from God. And I got something because I'm sensitive to the Holy Ghost. God, help me, help me when people, because I know what it's like to not have a word when you need a word. And help me, oh God, be sensitive. Help me, oh God, be sensitive that somebody comes in and they need to know that they can make it. It's going to be all right. You're going to get through this. You're going to pass over this. This is just a moment. Help me, oh God, be sensitive that I can look you right in the eyes and say, God told me to tell you it's going to be all right. God told me to tell you keep on fighting. God told me to tell you to keep on walking. Weeping may endure, but joy is coming. I wanted you to know, I want you to know God told me to tell you. Help me be sensitive. And when somebody needs a word, I'm not preoccupied and say, get away. What's your response going to be? Verse 25, this is her response. 
Then came she and worshiped him. When you don't have a word, when the famine is too great, don't let it take your praise from you. When the storm is too dark, when you don't know which way you're going, when he doesn't answer you, when you try to go forward and you don't know which way to go, you don't know which way to turn, you're looking all around for answers, you're looking all around for hope. Don't let anything keep you from worshiping him. She did not receive one word from God, but she was determined. I know what gets his attention. My plea obviously didn't touch him, but I know something because he inhabits the praises of his people. I know how to get his attention. I know what to do to keep Keep him, amen, from not ignoring me any longer. I know what I can do to cause heaven to be listening to what I'm saying. I know how to get a hold of the master. Let me tell somebody, he did hear what she said. Don't let the devil tell you he didn't hear what she said. He didn't hear what you said. He heard, but it could be that he's wanting you to worship him in the silence. Could it be that he wants you to worship him in the quiet times, in the dark valleys? Could it be that He's just trying to pull out a praise in you, amen, that the valley tried to strip from you. She worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answers her. Everybody say, he answers. But it wasn't what? She wanted to hear. He answered her and said, It's not meat to take children's bread and cast it to dogs. Woman, I can't. It's not right. I've got, I didn't come here for you. I didn't come here. I got bread, but it's not for you. I've got a word, but it's not for you. The persistence in our rejection, persistence in rejection God sends us determines whether or not we're going to have breakthrough. I said our persistence when God rejects us determines our level of breakthrough. Because most of us don't call me a dog. Now, it may be different, Brother Nate says, hey, you're my dog. That's different. But don't call me a dog. And most of us, when, when God says, I didn't come for you, you're a dog. Most of us leave and say, let me help somebody right now. We can come in the house of God. We can feel the presence of God moving. And we want, a, we want a word. We need a word. And God gives us a word that's not very good. And what we do with that word that didn't taste very good determines whether or not how quickly we get our breakthrough. And if you come in here and God says, and you come in here and you need God to help you, that's why when, that, when, that, when they lowered that guy from the ceiling, you know what Jesus did first? He said, uh, uh, I want to take care of your sin problem. They came for him to get healed, and that's why they brought him here to Jesus, and they opened up the roof, they lowered him down, and Jesus said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Jesus said, i got to fix your sin problem before I ever deliver you out of the cot. So sometimes God gives us a word that doesn't taste very good because it deals right where we're at. It deals with our sin. It deals with our issues. But God's got to get rid of our issues so he can fix us and heal us and make us whole. So don't be offended when God says you're a dog. What he's trying to do is to see if you're able to take a word that doesn't taste good, if you're able to take something that hurts you, if you're able to take something that offends you, if you're able to take something that doesn't feel right, taste right, look right, sound right, and say, that's okay, God. Surely, of a truth, of a truth, God. 
I understand that. But the dogs, even the dogs, get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. That's the kind of response God is trying to get you out of, get out of you when you get rejected, when you get hurt, when he says something that doesn't feel right or taste right. He wants to get you to say, that's right, God, but I just want some crumbs. just won't. I'm okay with the remnants of the field. I'm okay to glean in the field that's not mine. And God, in the middle of her gleaning in that field, Boaz said, why don't you just leave some handfuls of purpose? There's a reason why in your emptiness and your, your, your struggling right now, you have glimpses and moments that you feel God move. You know what God's doing? He's dropping, depositing handfuls of purpose in your life. You haven't had the total breakthrough yet because God's just giving you a little bit here and there because he's trying to get you to a place to see how desperate you are and how committed you are to get through everything that you've gone through and still be able to lift up your hands and praise him. So I don't understand everything that life deals you, but I understand this. Those handfuls of purpose that he drops in your life are to let you know I'm not done with you. I'm not finished with you. You've got a good story. You've got a good future. I'm dropping off some things along the way. So you know, so you know, so you know I love you. I'm for you. I'm making a way where there seemed to be no way, Ruth. I'm depositing things to get you home. Ruth's final principle is found in her season, the moment. Everybody say Ruth factor. And it came to pass, Ruth chapter 3, at midnight, God always does great work at midnight. For it was at midnight, Paul and Silas. I said, God always does great works at midnight. That the man, Boaz, who owned the field, who dropped the hands full of purpose, who allowed her to glean. I don't have time to go into the whole story, but he even told them, hey, let her work right beside you. Let her work along with you. <coughs> and don't come against her. But it was Boaz that he gets, he has a harvest, have a meal. The Bible says he gets married. And he lays down and goes to sleep. And at midnight, Naomi told her, say, hey, you've got an opportunity now because of the kindness that has been shown to you. Don't, don't miss out on your moment. Here in a few minutes, there's going to be a moment. There's going to be a moment that God unfolds in your life. And don't miss out on that moment. And she says, she says, Ruth, go to him because he's shown you favor. And this is a moment, this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity, Ruth, for you, for you to see what our future is going to be. Came to pass at midnight, the man was afraid. He turned himself. He, he's asleep and he wakes up and there is a woman. You ought to be afraid. You go to bed and you wake up and there's a woman right there. You ought to be afraid. It's not, it's not. It's not your wife. You ought to be afraid. He wakes up. He says, what are you doing here? Who are you? He said, who are you? She said, I'm Ruth. I'm handmaid. There had a custom spread, therefore, thy skirt over thy handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And the Bible said, and he blessed. He said, blessed be thou, the Lord, my daughter. For thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, in so much as thou followest not young men, whether rich or poor. He said, I know your motives, Ruth. You're not after young, rich, or poor. You want God's favor. I'm telling you, when we forsake everything, and we glean in fields that aren't our own, and we determine, you know what, God? I don't have to have richness. I don't have to have youth. I don't have the, I, I just want to be in your presence. I just want to be a part of your kingdom. And he says, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest. 
For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Everybody say she seized her moment. It's time to seize this moment for everything God has for you. But even after all Ruth shows, she's still just a Moabitess woman. Virtuous, yes, but a Moabite still. It's kind of like Mary when the Bible says, were there not many virgins in Israel? Yeah, there were, but there's only one that was a spouse to Joseph. You're just a Moabitess, Ruth. And usually, usually genealogy is described at the beginning of a book. Go to Matthew, it lists all the genealogies. Seldom is it put at the end. But in Ruth, a genealogy is explained. In Ruth 4 and 12, and it says, Let thy house be like the house of Pharez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah. Tamar bore it unto praise of the seed which the Lord shall give of this woman. Why? Why would the blessing, why would this blessing of this new child, Boaz and Ruth, get married? And Ruth is expecting, and Ruth has delivered a child, and this child is laying in the lap of Naomi. And they tell us of, they tell Naomi, your house, this house, is going to be like the house of Therese. Why interject that now? What's the purpose now when Therese had a brother? Therese was a twin. And Tamar in labor to birth these twins. The pain of childbirth that was going on. The midwife is there watching as she labors, as she is overtook with pain. And in the childbirthing process, one of the babies starts coming out and the hand is exposed. And the midwife ties a cord around, a thread around that baby to signify it's the firstborn. It gets the inheritance. It gets the birthright. And any of y'all that studied, any of you mothers in here, you know the pain of childbirth. Something happens that does not happen. In childbirth, in childbearing, that baby gets locked in is what they call it. And it suffers intense pressures. It's locked in. It's ready for delivery. It's coming out. But in this process, in this birth, this baby that put his hand out and they put the thread around and said, this is the birthright, this is the one. Somehow inside the womb there was a struggle going on. I don't know how because I know I, I, I don't have all the facts with me this morning so you had to look it up yourself. But there is so much pressure going on in that birth canal. There's so much intense uh, pressure going on. Somehow this infant child, Therese, gets a hold of his brother in the wrestling match of the womb and the birth canal. And this baby that was fixing to come forth all of a sudden is back in the womb. And out comes another baby. And the midwife says, what just happened? She named him Therese because that means breakthrough. Breakthrough was mentioned multiple times here this morning. Because God wants this year, 22, to be your year of breakthrough. 
What seemed impossible happened right before the midwife's eyes. She said, I know I placed the, 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 the cord on the other baby. And it was just a few moments later the other child comes out. And yes, it has the cord on it. What happened there to this breach? And this, this these people gave Naomi this new baby that Ruth has conceived and said, let thy house be like the house of Perez. There's a breakthrough coming, amen, in your life, Ruth. Everything that happened in your life was to get you to this place, Ruth. Everything you went through, Naomi, was to get you to this position where you are now in a position of breakthrough. Everything that you went through, every door that was closed, everything that was open, everything that you struggled against, all was pointing to this time in your life where breakthrough begins to happen. And Ruth, you didn't understand why you were drawn to Naomi, but in order to get the breakthrough that's coming in your life, you had to come back to Judah. Preaching to somebody right now. You're, you've been gleaning in fields that weren't your own. You've seen, you witnessed heartache and pain. But breakthroughs want to happen in this place right now. There's a Ruth factor that's happened in your life. You can't explain what went on. You can't make sense of what happened. It doesn't add up. It doesn't. It doesn't connect. But I'm telling you right now, if you'd understand what you're going through, it's because God set up a Ruth in your life. Naomi, you had to go to Moab. You had to lose everything. You had to feel like there's no hope of going back. You had to get to this place, Naomi, because I had to introduce Ruth to you. I'm here to tell somebody right now, I feel in the Holy Ghost, that there is breakthrough going to happen in your life. The moment you understand that everything that I've gone through, everything that I'm facing, everything that I endured, everything that I went through was for this moment in my life where God redirects my path, connects me with Ruth, and breakthrough starts happening in my life. I'm not going back to the disappointments of 2021. You're not going to be defined by the errors of your life. You're not going to be dictated by the labels that has been placed on you. This is the year. This is the year that something's going to break forth in your life. This is the year that everything starts making sense. As Naomi's holding this baby, she understands it had to happen. Everything that I went through had to take place in order for me to get to a place where breakthrough is operating in my life. I'm not going back to Moab. I was pulled out of there for a reason because breakthrough happens here. Breakthrough in my mind. Breakthrough in my spirit. Breakthrough in my soul. So Boaz took Ruth. She was his wife. They bore a son. And the women, see, Naomi came back and she said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. The Lord has dealt bitterly with me. It wasn't right. Don't call me Naomi anymore. She gave specific instructions, don't call me Naomi anymore. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman. See, Naomi, you thought you came back with nothing. But when you had that little girl following you, you thought you left here and lost it all. But when you brought Ruth back with you, you brought something that was going to change Humanity forever. There's only four women ever mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. And Ruth is one. Because things had to happen for a breakthrough. Oh, it's unexplainable, Brother Thomas. Uh, how, does, how does a baby no longer in, in the birth canal, how, how does it happen? It don't happen. Go to your doctor and say, hey, explain to me how a child can get locked in, ready to be delivered. 
partially coming out and all of a sudden gets sucked back in another baby comes out. It does not happen. Only happens because divine breakthrough. And I'm here to tell somebody right now, what you have gone through was divine breakthrough. It was painful. It hurt. You don't understand it. It was rough. It wasn't like you thought it was going to be. But God set it up to get you to a place that you never thought possible. Everything worked for your good. Everything lined up perfectly. It didn't feel right. It didn't taste good. I was looked at as a dog. I didn't get a word. I needed help. And I didn't know what I was going to do to get out of this situation. But God stepped in and said, it's at this moment that breakthrough is going to happen in your life. Today, on the second day of January 2022, God wants to tell somebody, I put everything in place for you to be redirected to your promise. Everything was put in place for you to get to where Judah was always wanting you to be at, where praise was always at. It all had to happen. Everything you went through had to happen. You had to lose your husband, Naomi. You had to lose your sons. You had to carry back nothing in order to get everything. You had to go through what you went through. This is not a sad message. This is a good message. Because right now you get the chance to celebrate. Because everything that God allowed to happen brought you to this place. And no longer is Naomi crying over the death of her husband. No longer is she worried her name's not going to be remembered. No longer is she worried that her husband's name is not going to go on. For the people, the women of the city said, Naomi, blessed are you of the Lord. And they also said this. They said, your name is going to be famous throughout all of Israel. Naomi, it was rough, but you don't understand. There's a Messiah coming through your genes now. There's a Messiah coming through your bloodline now. It had to happen to get Jesus on the scene. Everything in your life had to happen to get you to a place where Jesus can work through, where he can move through, where he can operate in. So don't question the process. Everything had to happen, Naomi. Everything had to go that way, Naomi. You had to get to the place where you had nothing left, Naomi. in order for you to hold something that lets you know I got blessings coming. I got favor coming. I want you to stand with me right now. I want you to stand with me right now. Come on, let's love him right now. Everything has led up to this moment in your life. You can't explain it. It doesn't make sense. Sister Dykes, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. This is not what I envisioned. I left Judah because I was going to starve to death, and I lost everything. I'm here to tell you the devil tries to convince you that your mistakes, your, your, your choices, your mistakes, the problems was God's punishment, but all along it was to get you to a roof factor. It was getting you to a place where everything in your life is now forever changed. Got you to a place where come on, let's love him. Nobody told me your life. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what this past year represented in your life. But I'm here to tell you right now, God sent me here to remind you that there's breakthrough happening. There's breakthrough happening right now. He led you to this point, Naomi. You may have walked into 2021 and lost everything. You may have, you may have walked through that valley and you may have walked through that trial and you come back holding nothing but Ruth. But I'm here to tell somebody that's all you needed. Oh, come on, love him, love him, love him. Who am I talking to? Who am I preaching to today? 
that the devil's almost convinced you that that's all, that's it, that's it. it, it it's not going to happen in your life. Uh, you're not going to be anything. You're, who am I talking to right now? Who am I preaching to right now? Who, who, who has listened to the enemy that told you, I, I took everything from you. You have nothing left. You have nothing to show for. I, I'm, I'm preaching to somebody right now. That devil is a liar. He's wanting to, want to keep you from a promise. He's wanting to keep you. No, no, no. God brought you here for this season. Esther is for this moment. Everything you went through, Esther, was for this time. For such a time as this. Come on, come on. Come on, pray somebody. It wasn't a mistake. It had to happen. It didn't taste good, Brother Dykes, but it had to be fed to me. Because God wanted to see what my response would be. Come on, love him right now. Love him right now. Come on, praise him right now. Come on, who am I preaching to right now? Who am I preaching to right now? Will you come? It had to happen. You wouldn't have met Ruth. The direction you were on, it wasn't going to lead you to the Messiah. You had to meet Ruth. The path you're on. It wasn't going to lead you to your promised land. It wasn't going to lead you to victory. So it had to happen. It was a Ruth factor in my life. It was a God moment. It was a God thing. I'm here because he said, I've got something better for you. Come on, pray right now in the Holy Ghost. Come on, pray right now. Pray right and pray real, pray real hard right now. Who am I talking to this morning? Come on, come, come. You took what the enemy meant for evil, God. Had to happen, Joseph. It had to happen, Joseph. I know it hurt. I know there were times you're all by yourself. I know there was moments you're all alone in that prison and you thought, how is God going to get anything good out of my life here? But it had to happen. It had to happen, Joseph. It had to happen. He had to bring you here. He had to bring you to this moment. Come on, somebody, right now. Come on, there's a Ruth factor fixing to be introduced in your life. I said there's a Ruth factor that's fixing to happen in your life. You're coming back with something that you didn't take in with you. But that something is going to change your future. I didn't take Ruth to Moab. I found her there. But she's going to make my name famous. She's going to change my past. She's going to change my future. She's introducing me to the Messiah. She is putting me in a place of breakthrough. And it's that moment, it's this moment right here.